TV station engineers are always being called on to fix something. Coming up, how our chief engineer had to call on his faith when faced with a problem way too big for him to solve. There is the word, there is the way. And brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Bill Scoggins. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Faces of Faith. I'm Phil Scoggins, and for the, fast, for the past five podcasts, I've actually had ministers who have participated in the podcast and have been my guests, and so we're going to break the mold tonight for guest number six. I am going to introduce to you our chief engineer here at WRBL, Gentry Creamer. So proud to have you. Glad to be When here. I look at Faces of Faith... I only had to walk right down the hall. Your office is literally just down the newsroom. And when I uh, picture in my mind a face of faith, the gentry, you come to mind. And uh, thankfully, you have been willing to come on. Your wife, Rachel, is actually joining us here in the studio, but uh, just watching us tonight on this podcast. But as a family, y'all have decided to share uh, an experience that has happened in your lives about a year and a half ago and the journey of faith that you have been on since then. And we're going to get to that gut-wrenching story a little bit later on. But the first thing that I always want to do is let our viewers and our podcast listeners uh, get to know you a little bit. So tell me, Gentry, uh, let's talk about your early years, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school, and a little bit about your family. Uh, well, I am a Phoenix City native. Uh, grew up uh, right here in East Alabama, and uh, have been here pretty much ever since. Um, my wife, uh, Rachel's from Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, we we met through uh, an online service. But uh, uh, you know, um, you know, we've. Uh, you know, had a had a great, great life together uh, so far, and um, but um, you know, uh, just been here most of my life. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the Chattahoochee Valley area very familiar to you, right? And we'll get to how Rachel uh, was uh, brought into your life in a moment. But right. uh, one of the first things that I also like to do is is talk about since this is called Faces of Faith. Uh, talk about your walk with the Lord, how you came to know the Lord, what your faith experience has been in your life. So I grew up in the church. Uh, both of my uh, both of my parents uh, kept us in Christian school. Um, first, uh, you know, growing up, uh, first assemblies, uh, Phoenix Christian School, uh, you know, went through their system, and uh, uh, you know, but. Have always been involved in in the church, uh, going to church, and and then later uh, in life, uh, got involved with the music ministry, um, and uh, I've been uh, serving as a music minister at uh, Calvary Assembly of God uh, for uh, it's been about ten years now. Now uh, this is a side of you that is totally catching me off guard because I had introduced you as not being <laughs> a minister <laughs> and here you've been a music minister for the last 10 right. years. Curveball. <laughs> tell me, tell me about your music background then. Well, I, I've, I've always had a passion for music and uh, a passion for technology. And, uh, you know, if I hadn't been in technology, music would have been the way that I went. And um, there's just something 
soothing to my soul with music and uh you know it, it's something that that runs deep in our family my my mother played piano at uh at uh, church for many years and uh, my sister's got uh, musical ability as well and my dad uh, is a phenomenal singer you know and uh, Elvis impersonator <laughs> all right <laughs> too, but uh, it's in your genes uh, then yes uh, you could you could say that um, now do you play an instrument do you sing I do I, I uh, I'm mainly play the keyboard uh, okay. and uh, and sing but uh, I also play guitar on occasion so um, I'm, I'm, I don't really read music, but uh, I'm one of those uh, play-by-ear types. <laughs> so, um, but uh, it just—it's something I really enjoy. So let's uh, let's try to 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 posture your fate and your music into uh, how you were trying to choose car- a career path and the direction that that you wanted to go in, and and you know you you obviously have incredible um engineering instincts and and an incredible mind that i don't understand (laughs) as you well know (laughs) i have problems all the time and i'm running down the hall to get gentry to solve them but uh, tell me about how you became interested in uh engineering well you know um i think uh the seed got planted really early with my grandmother. Um, she had always said, you know, I'm just surprised you, you don't want to be an engineer. And at the time, I didn't know. Uh, I thought she was talking about like a, a, a train <laughs> conductor engineer. And I was like, eh, you know, that's but that. Uh, but I was always into radio, you know, CB radio, ham radio, that sort of thing. And uh, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to learn. Uh, about trial and error uh, computers and and troubleshooting and things like that and uh, it just it it's something I got involved with at an early age and uh, the problem solving uh, wanting to figure things out uh, the analytical mindset and um, it's it's just something that's always been I guess a, a, an instinct of mine and to to be a part of that so um, when I had the opportunity to, you know, uh, come into a TV station, something I hadn't actually even really considered, um, you know, a, a friend of mine that used to work over here, uh, Kyle Moy, he, he worked in uh, production at the time, and he told me, you know, hey, the IT job's open. <laughs> why don't you go, uh, why don't you go uh, and apply for it? And, uh, you know, uh, here I am today. Um, but you know, the, uh, getting to touch all the different kinds of technology, that's just something that, uh, that really intrigues me and, uh, something I really appreciate in the job. So. Well, we are uh, fortunate to have you again. Um, it, there are some people who have jobs that, um, people, you're, you're the go-to person when there's a problem. If you're a doctor, <laughs> right. you know, if you're an engineer, if you're an IT, you, you know, specialist, uh, uh, always solving other people's problems. Well, let's uh, backtrack a little bit to your relationship with Rachel. You said you met online. Let's let's uh, figure out how we get Rachel from Minnesota down here to the Columbus Phoenix City area. Oh, that's a pretty crazy story. Um, but uh, you know, we you know we we met and. On, online through a mutual friend and uh, uh, 
we just found that we were very much in common. Um, and, uh, she wanted a lot of the same things out of life that I did. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't really know how to say, you know, sometimes you just know, mm-hmm. um, when the pieces fit. And, um, I took a risk and flew her down here and, uh, you know, uh, we got married and, uh, here we are today. Uh, how long have you been married? We've been married since 2012, so that's uh, eight, eight or nine years. <laughs> I'll have to do the math there real quick. I think uh, nine years. Um, so, uh, and and I've enjoyed every minute of it. So, tell me about your both of your views of how your faith would play a role in your marriage. Well, um, you know. Uh, when uh, Rachel came down here, she immediately got plugged into the church. I was already working uh, in the church as a uh, music uh, minister, and um, and she got involved with the kids' programs. And, uh, you know, we both um, shared similar upbringings in that, uh, you know, she grew up in, in uh, church, a different denomination. But, uh, uh, you know, definitely... Uh, Faith has has been uh, something that, you know, we're so fortunate that we've had the background in faith that we have because, you know, had you told us we would have had to rely on it like we have, um, you know, I I wouldn't have quite believed it a few years back. But, um, you know, uh, strong roots give give a solid anchor and a solid foundation, so... Um, it, it's definitely ingrained in who we are. As far as Rachel's aspirations and dreams, what what did she um, express to you as to what she wanted to do if she moved to this area? Well, really, um, you know, I think it was uh, more stability than and and being able to to get away from. Um, you know, certain situations and things and experience something new. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a little bit uh, different climate here than in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> some good, some bad. Yeah. Um, but, Hardly uh, have winners here compared to there. <laughs> right, absolutely. And, and you know, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get to travel um, to meet her uh, family uh, the, in the winter uh, after we got married and, uh, you know, landed right in the middle of winter <laughs> and uh, found out, you know, what true uh, black <laughs> ice is and real, uh, you know, iced sidewalks are and uh, found out how much you actually have to rely on your balance. So, um, but, uh, you know, I think altogether, um, you know, she came down here to, to be with me. But I mean, in all reality, you know, if it needed to be worked out the other way, maybe I would have gone up to, to be with her, but that's just the way that it worked out. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, obviously we're, we prayerfully consider things and, uh, you know, when she came down here, um, she just fit right into our lives, uh, my family's lives. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, God can certainly put those pieces together in, in ways and means that uh, you can't plan, you know. 
So, well, you mentioned family. Um, what decisions were you all considering about and, and your thought process about having your own family? Well, uh, you know, uh, early on in our marriage, we, we found out that, um, you know, Rachel had uh, a condition called the PCOS. Uh, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, about three or so years in, we... We started to get the feeling that, uh, you know, we knew we wanted kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was kind of becoming apparent that that may not happen. Um, and, you know, that Rachel took that hard. Um, and it was something that, you know, for me at the time, uh, you know, I, I figured, well, well, we'll figure that out when we get you know, closer to uh, whatever magic date you're supposed to have your kids in a normal life <laughs> was. But, um, but you know, we, we, we've just started getting more and more accustomed to the idea that that just may not be what God had in store for us. And, uh, you know, we accepted that. And, um, but, you know, miracles happen. And, uh, you know, when, when Louie came along... <laughs> Um, I actually found out Father's Day uh, of all days right there on the platform at church. Um, and Louis is your son. Louis is my son. You He's, also have a daughter. I do have a daughter, uh, Savannah. She's uh, your firstborn. Uh, well, Louis is, is our firstborn. And then and, how and old then is Savannah, too? Savannah is uh, right at about a year and a half. Okay, so you got them uh, close so together. Yeah, they are close together. So you found out on Father's Day? I found out on Father's Day. Wow. Right. <laughs> Talk about a surprise. And, and not only on Father's Day, but in front of the entire congregation <laughs> at the church. Um, but it, it was a very sweet uh, gesture. But talk about a surprise. <laughs> Well, tell me about, uh, when was Louis born? What was his birthday? Uh, Louis was born January 31st of uh, 2018. And, um, what kind of baby was he? Oh, um, perfect. <laughs> I mean, if I had to, uh, I mean, very healthy, very, um, just, just the, uh, the, the, uh, image of a perfect child. Mm-hmm. And um, what a gift, uh, especially after being comfortable with the idea that this day might not come. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, 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 was, it was a transforming moment when I got to hold him. And not to mention, I mean, there were complications, uh, you know, in, in the birthing. Um, you know, he was delivered uh, via kind of an emergency C-section. Um, and, uh, you know, just the way that everything went down, uh, you know, uh, I was actually at work and I got a call from Rachel saying, uh, you know, she had gone in for a routine checkup and, and, uh, doctor said, no, you, we need to go ahead and have this baby now. Cause she was having some symptoms of, uh, related to liver and, and, uh, stuff and, um, complications due to the PCOS mm-hmm. and um, so it was hard on her body um, but you know the Lord definitely brought us through that and uh, you know being able to at the end of that hold that 
uh, precious sign is just, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing like it until you get there. There's, there's just, there's, there's nothing quite like that. And just this immense feeling of gratitude, not only for having him, but also the fact that he had, uh, that the Lord had, had brought her through, uh, the birthing, uh, cause it, it was scary. It was a scary time. So as a little bitty baby, um, you said he was basically, you know, a perfect child. What was his personality like? Oh, he just, you know, you could tell this was a very smart child. He, he, he knew when you were talking to him. Uh, he would listen uh, and just it seemed like he had this natural ability to um, connect emotionally uh, to us and, and uh, you know, he uh, was naturally inquisitive, just uh, reminded me of, you know, just a, a, a child that uh, is full of wonder with the world and, and very, very mild-mannered. We we would take him to restaurants and he wouldn't fuss. He you know he'd sit what down. a blessing. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. it was a uh, an absolute blessing and and uh, just so well behaved and um, you know it, it, we couldn't have asked for anything more. Um, so well, we're <coughs> sort of reaching the point to where uh, was he about a year and a half old when. October 22nd of 2019 rolled around. Yes. That day uh, changed y'all's lives forever, changed Louis's life forever. Yes. Um, we, we, we consider, you know, October 22nd almost to be a second birthday for him um, because, um, you know, of course I was at work um, and – I uh, had left for lunch, and uh, I got the phone call uh, from Rachel, and she was just um, falling apart and told me that I needed to get in the car and, and come to uh, the emergency room. And um, that the, the first words being uttered out of her mouth was, please don't be mad at me, please don't be mad at me. And... Uh, at that point, you know, before she'd even told me, you know, what had happened, I, I knew it wasn't good. And, um, but, um, unfortunately he had, uh, found his way outside to the, to the swimming pool and, uh, had fallen in and, um, you know, uh, we, uh, were able to estimate, uh, that it was somewhere between, you know, two to four of 10 minutes that he could have been out there that it was was unaccounted for but um you know uh he uh you know was rushed to the emergency room uh and was uh without a pulse without breath uh, without regular brain waves for uh almost two hours mm-hmm. and uh I just remember um, getting to the hospital and, and, and seeing the emergency services folks still doing the chest compressions mm-hmm. and, 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 
doing everything that they could to, to, to try and bring him back. And, um, you know, my, my pastor and, uh, his wife and my parents were there and, um, and our, our GM, David, uh, came up, uh, to, uh, the hospital and, me and, and and the family, we were just all there praying, you know, God, we know you can save him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we were assaulting heaven. I mean, <laughs> we were, uh, our, there's a lot of love in our family and our church family. And, and, and they see Louie as like one of their own, um, kids and, and, um, it was just a, a devastating moment, but we were, we were sure that whatever happened, we were going to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it was just that moment where you felt like, you know, all was lost. That they got a heartbeat, and it was, it was like this. The story's not over yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a slim chance, but I, I was going to take it, you know. And 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 uh, you know, and, and it was that point. I mean, you really couldn't have been uh, a human body couldn't have been brought much closer to death than where he was. And uh, but you know, as we know, God can bring the dead back to life, mm-hmm. and that's what He did that day. Now he stayed here. How long before was he? Was he flown from here? He was immediately flown because they said uh, the, the the doctor that was in charge uh, told me as soon as they got the uh, the heartbeat back and the breath, he said we're not going to be able to do anything else for him. Okay. He's got to go to a higher level facility. So. Immediately, there was a chopper on the ground, and uh, he was bound for uh, UAB in Birmingham uh, at Children's Children's Hospital. Who was on that chopper with him? Uh, just the flight team. Okay. Um, so it, that forced y'all then to scramble to drive. To right, Birmingham. exactly, and and that was that was a long, anxious drive. Mm. Um, lots of time to think and try to process but I mean there was no way we were going to process what was going on in that short amount of time but um but um you know thankfully you know we we made it up there safely and uh, in the in the emotional wrecks that we were mm-hmm. uh, but you know my sister and brother-in-law and and, and uh, my parents we we all just we all went up there uh, separately, but we all wound up there around the same time, and you know, uh, we're shortly reunited um, with with Louis. Um, but um, it, it it was uh, a very chaotic seventy two hours. Um, so they, the first thing that we were told was, you know when you're dealing with this kind of injury, um, they, a lot of times they'll expect brain death, Mm -hmm. you know, but it would be, 
uh, days into the swelling process because when you when the brain is starved of oxygen, um, you know it's not like a traumatic brain injury where they can pull the skull cap and and let a localized area expand and mm-hmm. um, this is the entire brain swells so just the act of the um, swelling causes damage and uh, a lot of times. That affects the brain stem and, and a lot of the areas responsible for breathing and heartbeat. And, and so um, things weren't, weren't looking good at all, um, but there was a chance. And um, It know. sounds like, too, from our previous conversations that heaven was continually being bombarded on his behalf. Oh, absolutely. I mean... On the way to the hospital, I was calling everybody that I that I could think of. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of uh, missionary contacts in our church, and I, I had talked to them. I've got family members that are also, um, you know, missionaries, and uh, you know, there were people praying all over the world for Louis. <laughs> And, um, you know, we just, we couldn't thank everyone enough. I mean, um, we, we're firm believers in prayer and, and, uh, you know, God showed up. That week you told me, um, earlier today that, uh, and we can bring in the, the Kleenex, I think we can use some of those here in the studio. Um, that was the lowest point that week um, spiritually in, in your life. Yes, I, I mean, I, I, you know, as a, a Christian and, and having been in the church for, uh, you know, practically my whole life, um. You know, I, I I knew the way I should be feeling, but I didn't feel that way. Um, I was asking myself immediately, searching myself, what what did I do? What kind of what is this retribution for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, did I stumble and or did we come out from under the protection of God? Um, was this something that uh, was to uh, you know was was it this payback for something that I had done and and um, I knew I shouldn't be feeling that way mm-hmm. but I couldn't help but wonder uh, you know because you know I was a faithful uh, churchgoer uh, serving uh, in the church why you know why why us why my perfect son. And, you know, that, that was a miracle baby. You know, we had, we had referred to him as the miracle baby since he was conceived, you know, and we found out and, um, you know, it just, it was, it was, um, it was confusing to us, uh, why, uh, and to me, uh, particularly, uh, why this was allowed to happen, um, so naturally I, I was looking to myself as being part of the cause, <laughs> you know. But the Lord 
used a letter yes to to speak directly to you in that moment right and uh this is um yes this is a, an amazing part of this story but but tell us you actually are holding the letter there in right. your hands but yes. but describe uh when we talk about the letter our, uh, folks who know you know what we're talking about but right. those who don't explain what transpired and and how this letter came in to minister to you well as as you had mentioned earlier you know this was a low point for me and um I would have to say in the span of my entire life, the point that my faith was tested the hardest where I was the lowest that I was spiritually was that week of, um, you know, having gone through the accident and um, what happened. Uh, we had been at the hospital um, and it was things were starting to to shape up uh, in that we knew this was going to be a longer stay than, than what we had originally thought. So um, my dad and I, we, we made our way down to, uh, back down here to, you know, take care of stuff in town, pay some bills, um, and, and, and pack for an, an expected uh, indeterminate stay. And... Um, while we were in town, um, I had this, you know, the, the, or on the way back down, uh, that was another long, agonizing road trip where um, the thoughts were, were going through my head of, you know, what in the world did I do to deserve this and what in the world did I do, um, what's this and the why question the why question and that's part of my analytical mind mm -hmm. you know um i i wanted to know why and 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 you know because i knew that the god that i had believed in i didn't understand why he would have let something like that happen so that at that point i'm i'm honestly halfway questioning you know were you really there when this happened um, and, um, you know, that was doubt trying to enter my mind and, and well, and it was there. I mean, it was definitely there. And so we get home, we take care of, of our respective things. And, uh, I get this feeling that, you know, we have an, an, an old house that, that, uh, we weren't living in at the time and, uh, we don't get a lot of mail, but, Something in the back of my mind just said, you know, you need to go check the mail over at this house. And, you know, sometimes it'd be weeks in between times I'd go over there and get the mail. We'd get so, such little mail over there that, uh, you know, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. But at the time, it just something said, you know, well, you don't know when you're going to get back over there. So mm -hmm. you need to go check the mail. And. So I get there, and there's this handwritten letter in the mailbox that um, was a very personal message to me, um, and it was addressed to resident. It wasn't addressed to me. It was sent to this other house, and um, if, if I may share. Yes, um, please. The... the what the letter 
um, said, um, I opened the letter and, and it, it said, Dear Householder, how do we know that our suffering is not punishment from God? And I'll be honest with you, the thoughts that had been going through my head, the feelings of guilt, the, the, that this was somehow related to me, that this was punishment, I thought it was a mean joke. From mm-hmm. some, that somebody somehow, I hadn't even had time to really process how or why that would have happened or who would have sent it, but mm-hmm. it almost felt like an assault on my faith. How do we know that our suffering isn't punishment from God? That's how I. That's how I. I, I read it the first time, and mm-hmm. and I didn't. I didn't want to look at it, and then I, you know, and then something nudged me inside and said, "Read it again." And I picked it up and said, how do we know that our suffering is not punishment from God? The scripture says in James 1.13 that when under trial, let no one say, I am being tried by God. For evil things God cannot be tried, nor does he himself try anyone. Sincerely, your neighbor. And... I just paused for a moment and said, you know, that's, that is exactly the answer that I needed to hear right now. That, and, and, you know, you, you know that there are people that get together in churches, they'll send out, you know, inspirational messages Mm -hmm. and, Oh, by the way, if you don't have a church family, come to uh, come join us next Sunday at such and such church. But this this letter completely unsolicited. And there's also not a date on the letter itself. Yeah, there's right? no there's no date on the contents. You can of show the, the letter camera. Yeah, yeah that's there, can this see. this somebody hand wrote this. They they tore it out of their their book mm-hmm. and wrote this and 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 it was handwritten and and by the looks of it they had no idea who they were sending it to they, it was addressed to resident mm-hmm. they they knew they needed to send it to my address and they didn't address me by name in the letter it was just dear householder and this is from your neighbor and um so that was that was a word that just from that point on that was the 180 moment mm-hmm. but what really made this the 180 moment for my for my faith was that, um, you know, I shared this letter with my dad, and he looked at it and noticed that, you know, the accident had been around, you know, 12.30, 1 o'clock on October 22nd. Mm-hmm. And this letter was postmarked on October 21st. Mm. And, the day before. And so this was not reactionary. There's no way it could have been reactionary. This letter, in my opinion, is irrefutable evidence to me that there's a God that knows everything that you're going through. And he knows that, that you're going to go through it before you go through mm-hmm. it. And, you know... Um, my analytical mind starts racing again, you know, I'm almost wanting to be able to, to, to find a reason why I got this letter. I mean, you know, 
it's as if God knew or that that I'd be questioning it. So he said, you know, I'm not going to send this to you a week in advance. I'm going to send this to you the day before. And, and the way that our mail runs, uh, if it's hit Montgomery, usually it's delivered the next day. And the accident having happened right around noon, one-ish, um, on October 22nd, um, I absolutely have a vision in my mind of this letter being stuck in the mailbox right as wow. the accident was occurring. And, mm. you know, if there's anything that I could say, it's just that, you know, God knows our hearts and he knows what we need. And um, this was an attitude change for me. This was a moment that, um, you know, he was just giving me a big hug and saying, I've got this under control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it it's, it's such a special thing. I, I actually call this my love letter from God. Um, because understandably he, so yeah he he knew in that moment yeah. what I needed yeah. and that this wasn't just your everyday problem this was this was the event of my life up mm-hmm. until this point and and so and he did it in such a well choreographed mm. as only dis- he can do display as only he can do yes. and and um, you know there have been other things that have have happened tell me what was Rachel's response when you shared that information with her? Almost disbelief. I mean, every everyone I've shared this with, uh, you know, some folks say, you know, that's kind of spooky, man, you know, and some say, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that's absolute proof uh, of God, you know, depending on, you know, how it appeals you know, to your soul, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was almost like a disbelief, but the whole family grasped hope from this letter. I mean, my dad was just, mm. when I handed him the letter, he's actually the one that discovered the, the, the date <laughs> and pointed it out to me. And, and, uh, you know, so this, this letter, it's, it's from your dad and your heavenly father. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so this, this is something that, that it's a, it's a family treasure. Wow. And, um, and I mean, you said you haven't, even though there is a return address, there is, you haven't reached out. I have not reached out yet. And, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been kind of waiting until I felt led to, to reach out to them. But, um, if there's anything that I could say to them, if they're listening as you know, God could certainly have, uh, helped them tune in or inspired them to tune into this, I would just say thank you for heeding the call or the moving of the Spirit and, and taking time out to, to send this because you didn't know who you were sending this to and you didn't know why, but the God that inspired it did. And, and this was a complete rebounding moment for me. It set the whole attitude... Um, for Louis' recovery, our recovery, um, and from that point on, I went. I went back up to Birmingham with. 
I felt like I was marching back into battle mm-hmm. with, with you know, the Lord on my side that, that, you know, he's got this. And, and it's not something that I've done because that's not how God operates. And, and that he knows what's going on. And, and, um, you know, another thing that I would say is that, um, you know, I, I had been asking, you know, why would, would this be allowed to, to, to happen? I, I, I had actually in those early uh, hours of, uh, his recovery at the hospital, I was praying over him, you know, the, there's a scripture in, um, Romans that says that the gifts of God and the calling of God is irrevocable. And I was claiming that because Louis was a gift mm-hmm. uh, from God. And and I was claiming that over him. And I was saying, you know, he's not going to be taken. Um, and later it, it, it was felt in my soul and my heart that, you know, we had dedicated Louie and he said you know you did give him to me you did give him back to me and and you know at that point though I knew he was in good hands (laughs) and um you know uh so when you dedicate your child it's not just a ceremony (laughs) it's not just a moment for taking pictures You, you you know you do it and you mean it. And um, I absolutely believe that what we're going through, um, every moment um, there is a positive outcome that's coming from it. The, I know that there have been uh, countless lives that have been touched in some way, uh, people that we've met, um, and we've we've discovered through the whole hospital process, you know, um, many families that are going through the same thing that we are going through. And, um, but, you know, to some degree, I feel like our faith is giving us an advantage, um, in, in coping with it and, and that we can share some hope, you know, with, with other families that are dealing with the same type of uh, situation. How long was Louie in Birmingham? Louis was, it was six, six weeks. I was 42 days. Thank, thank Rachel you. knew exactly yeah, Rachel, how long. Rachel was actually just counting down the days the entire time. Now I, I was having to go back and forth mm-hmm. between, um, to work, but, um, you know, uh, Rachel was there the entire time and, uh, we actually left the hospital and, and some, sometime in mid December. And, um, you know, it, it's been, um, just a parade of miracles, I guess, is the, is the best way to describe it. Um, and that, you know, we believe that God could just in an instant put him back the way that he was. And as much as I would like to see that, I also appreciate the fact that he has shown us what we have to be thankful for that how how much of a miracle life actually is you know because we've 
we've got to look at the minutia of complications that come from not being able to keep your airway closed or open or, or uh, not being able to cough, not being able to swallow. Um, currently, Louis has a, a trach and uh, a G-tube for, for uh, nourishment and you know, but we're making strides. He's coughing now. Um, and, you know, most recently we've uh, actually experienced some communication from him. It, it was a very uh, primitive uh, grunting acknowledgement and lip movement of, hey, like back to me saying, hey, you know, and, and, and on a repetitive basis. And so he's still in there. You know, God has uh, enabled us to, to communicate with him. We know that he's still in there, he's, and he still feels emotion. He's still able to convey, um, you know, uh, the essence of love and appreciation uh, when, when you're with him, when you give him a hug, you know. And uh, to me, that's everything. And uh, <laughs> he's just... Uh, you know, making this uh, a forward, um, he's making this forward progress one day at a time, and, and uh, I feel like I'm a more thankful person um, having gone through this and still going through this, and, you know, I know that's just going to be one of a, of a, a massive amount of, of reasons uh, that, that factor into this master plan. He had to be taken from here, was it to New Orleans for a period of time? So what we did uh, in, in part of our quest to, uh, you know, assist in any way that we could with his recovery, we uh, found um, one of the premier um, doctors in, in uh, hyperbaric uh, treatments and uh, uh, we did uh, make our trip down to uh, New Orleans and, and went through a, a, a set of, yeah, COVID. <laughs> uh, COVID was, uh, was definitely a, a, an issue during that, but uh, we made our way down to New Orleans and uh, went through the treatments with him, and uh, he just responded very well. And... Uh, you know, while down there, we met several wonderful people that are following uh, Louis right now in his progress. And, uh, you know, I, I can honestly say, you know, we have not gone without um, needs. You know, we have not, or, or, or uh, we, we are not wanting uh, for anything at the moment. And, and you know, because God has just always lined things up, you know, uh, he's put, you know, different people in, in our lives, uh, friends at, uh, at our Bible study and, and that, that have just been, they love Louie, you know, and, and, and they, they've helped us out. They, and, and, you know, uh, we've just been able to experience what it's like to be cared for by a God that loves us and um, through the hands of others. And, and uh, it helps you understand your own place and in, in, in the world. Well, again, thankfulness springs up from the heart when 
you're lavished with the people that come, you know, are willing to come beside you in a time like this. Are there any specific examples of things that have been provided, you know, that has helped Louie on this journey? To Oh, absolutely. Um, through generous donations, we've had uh, a hyperbaric chamber uh, donated to us that we can continue these treatments uh, at home. Um, you know, we've had various, you know, cash donations that, you know, have gone towards helping us pay for his medications, for uh, the, the feed supplies and things like that that insurance doesn't cover. And, and um, so there's, there's just uh, uh, the wheelchair that he uses was donated by a family that mm. uh, their child outgrew and, and they donated. And, and so there's just, there's been... Uh, there's been help all over the map, um, and um, we're just so thankful for everybody that's been involved that that, that touched Louie, um, that, that had a hand in, in, in helping with his recovery. Uh, I owe so much uh, gratitude uh, to, you know, the medical teams um, at, at both hospitals and, and uh, all of his, uh, you know, therapy uh, tax and, and just everybody that's laid a hand on him. Uh, we feel like there has been an anointing, uh, so many of his doctors and so many of his, uh, nurses and, uh, you, you could tell that, um, they were faithful people too. By talking to them, you, you find that, you know, there are so many around us that, that share, in, in the faith and, and, um, you know, that it, it really helps in that experience. So One of the reasons that you were telling me that, you know, you felt like that this was an opportune moment for you to come on and, and be so open with what has happened to Louie was that, uh, y- you might be a blessing to someone else. What message would you have for other folks who, may not be going through exactly the same uh, health issues that Louis is, but who may be facing that wall and maybe maybe this is their week that you were in. What's your message to them? You know, if there's anything that I could say, it's that God is bigger than you can comprehend and that while it feels like if you're going through a terrible situation, um, you know, like what we experienced or, or anything. I mean, the mountains come in all sizes. Mm-hmm. and um, But God is in control of every part of your situation. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. He can make arrangements uh, before things happen. And um, I would just advise anyone to you know that's going through that to 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 not give in to that self-doubt or give in to the the feelings that this is something that you caused um because um with time you're likely going to find out that if you cling to your faith this is just a moment of elevation this is going to be a point that when you feel like you're at your lowest, it's actually uh, just before you're going to raise up in 
into a new level of faith and passion. And, you know, through this experience, I can say I feel closer to God than than I had ever felt before. And I mean, I was, I've, I've been serving in a church mm-hmm. uh, in ministry and, and uh, you know, it's, it's just been a, if you could call it that, a blessing as a, a, of an experience. So um, anyone that's going through something like that, just remember God is bigger than any of your problems. What has this experience done for you and Rachel's marriage? Well, it's certainly brought us uh, closer together, uh, but it has also brought up, um, you know, we, we've found things that, that, you know, sometimes we disagree on, but we've, we've found out that, you know, if we keep... Christ in, in, in our marriage, if we keep a godly and a, a Christ-centered outlook that there's nothing that you can't work through, um, it's definitely brought us closer together. The thankfulness that we have um, for where we are today and being able to go home and hug that boy, yeah. um, just it, it, we're still a family. And, and, uh, you know, a family with a, with a great testimony that, that we can share and, and, um, you know, it, it's definitely just brought us closer together. I, I, that's the easiest way to say it. On Let's not leave Savannah out of the equation because I know uh, she came along and, and uh, <laughs> describe, uh, her involvement in the process and, and her oh. relationship to Louie. Yes, so um, Savannah was actually six weeks old at the time of the accident. And uh, that just made uh, a very stressful situation even that much more stressful. And um, in many ways, Savannah is a polar opposite to to Louie in that uh, she likes to get into things a lot more um, lively (laughs) <laughs> uh, more eagerly than, than he did. Uh, uh, she uh, is very happy to uh, talk to you at a restaurant or, you know, uh, uh, send food selling your way. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and she's got her own sense of independence, though, too. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, us having to spend so much time and caring for Louie that she's kind of, I'm not going to say she's put on the back burner, but, um, uh, she, she loves her brother. You can tell she knows that there's something special about him and that's, that makes something special about her. And, um, and, you know, we get to, they're both, in my opinion, perfect children. (laughs) Of course, every parent's going to say something Mm -hmm. like that, but, but, um, but she loves her brother, and, and Louie was just uh, fascinated with her when, when we brought her home from the hospital. And I'm so thankful I've got some 
some home videos and recordings of, of them getting to interact with each other for the first time and uh, still get to see uh, the same type of uh, situation, but it's more of Savannah right now interacting with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, she's so incredibly sweet, and she knows to be tender with him. And, um, you know, it's, you know, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. We were talking before the podcast about, um, weren't sure if it was a scripture or a song, but sort of uh, a phrase that has sort of become your mantra uh, as you've looked back over the last several years. Uh, describe that for me. Well, it just goes that I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a deep sense of, of peace that comes from that. Um, you know, how can you have peace in the middle of the storm? It's just in the understanding that you know who's in control, even when the storm is raging. Um, you know, it's not as uncontrolled as, as you might think. And, and so, you know, those are words that, you know, I I rely on um, and remind myself of that, uh, you know, today will pass and tomorrow's tomorrow's gonna, going to come and, and uh, you know, he's in control. Is there a special verse of scripture that has ministered to you? Perhaps James is your favorite <laughs> now, uh, the one that you read from the letter, but... Uh, I usually ask my podcast guest if there's a certain scripture that that is their favorite. Well, it you know it's such a well known, uh, a well known scripture, probably said by many. But uh, you know, I really can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians, yes, Philippians four thirteen, and and. You know, because he, he, he gives me strength every day to, to pull this off. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, you know, Rachel does such a phenomenal job. Um, she's, you know, caring for two kids at home, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Louie needs round the clock supervision and, and, and uh, help. So, um, you know, I'm just so appreciative for everything that she does. And, so, uh, but through through Christ, who strengthens us, we can we can do it. Uh, well, Gentry, I I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart how thankful that I am that you are able and willing to um, come to the place to where you could share what you feel like the Lord has placed on your heart to share with those that are listening to this tonight. It has to be difficult to, to replay and, and rethink through some of the toughest days that anybody could ever experience concerning a child that was that close to death. But we're thankful for what the Lord's done for Louis, what he continues to do for Louis. And uh, who knows, one of these days we'll have you back on and, and do a progress report on uh, how things are coming with him. But thank you and Rachel both. She's here in the studio with us. 
for being willing to to share that, I think, and I pray that it's been a blessing to our viewers tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We will remind you uh, that are looking at this on uh, our podcast on WRBL.com that you can watch Faces of Faith that streams live uh, on our website every Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central Time. You can watch the replay the next day on our website and then coming soon. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Audible so that you can listen to this show on the go. And in the meantime, that's going to do it for this edition of Faces of Faith. We thank you for joining us tonight. And before we leave you, as always, and if this podcast is anything, it's an example and as a reminder that whatever, whatever you're going through, always remember, keep the faith.